0: I was having a discussion the other day with a girlfriend of mine about the situation in long-term care homes. And she said to me, you need to talk to my friend Brian Corcoran. He, uh, he and she had worked on uh, a few television productions together, one of them being Dragon's Den. Uh, they're both producers. And she said he has uh, made an abrupt career change. He's now a care worker at the long-term care home called Kensington Gardens in the GTA, where he uh, works on the COVID ward. The reason for his new gig, she said, is very simple, so he could see his mother. I reached out to Brian, and he was uh, good enough to join the show right now. Brian, welcome to the program. Good to have you on.
1: Hi, Kelly. Thanks so much for having me.
0: This is such an extreme workaround, the lockdown of long-term care homes. You have referred to this as a geriatric mission impossible. Can you expand on you know, how you realized that this was the only way to uh, spend some time with your mom?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, I'd, I'd like to point out that I perhaps could take the cake as Canada's greatest mama's boy right now. I'm probably <laughs> uh, getting more attention for, uh, for helping out my mom than uh, anything I've ever done before, which is, which is great. It's lovely. Uh, so for my family and I, uh, my mother has been in a long-term care facility for about a year and a half. Uh, my father passed away uh, about uh, last summer. So she's she's had time to acclimatize to the environment, uh, and uh, she is in a spectacular uh, long-term care facility that has has really been wonderful. But in the middle of March, uh, we received a, an email essentially saying that contact uh, was being cut off. There was sort of a, a no visitation policy going into place. Um, which is we understand, we supported. Uh, but it's it's a difficult thing for families to deal with. The notion of not being able to uh, visit a loved one uh, is not an easy thing to sort of wrap your head around. And then further compounding the issue was the fact that my mother is quadriplegic and she's on the third floor of her building. So there's no standing outside a window and, and waving or holding signs, not without the use of drones or something like that. Uh, so... Uh, we were kind of getting by and then uh, about two weeks after they shut down visitation, her immediate neighbor was diagnosed with COVID. Uh, so the only case on her floor, uh, but it was the person living immediately next door to her. So that sort of sent our family into a little bit of panic mode. And it, it sort of coincided with um, the, uh, the premier dropping some of the prerequisites for uh, employment in long-term care facilities. So there was a bit of a loophole that opened up, namely working as a unit aide. And uh, as you mentioned in the intro, I traditionally I work in, in media, and that's pretty much a freelance business. So I'd actually just wrapped a, a contract uh, immediately before that, and I could sort of see the writing on the wall was that there's no new shows are being produced right now. Uh, so I kind of thought, well, you know, I've got the opportunity to either sit on my duff at home uh, or I could actually... You know, play a small part and uh, and keep tabs on my mother at the same time. So So, uh, I, yeah, you brought up a
0: couple of times that this was uh, you brought up the us the us. Is this a, a family decision made with you and your siblings that you would then try and take a job in your mother's long term care home?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's something that I kicked around with my siblings. Obviously, we're we're a pretty tight knit family, and and so we sort of want, I, they provided a perfect sounding board. Neither of my siblings were in a position to to uh, to do it. I was the one uh, who was just due to my sort of freelance nature. Uh, so I kicked it around with them a bit because I didn't want to involve my mother. Uh, just for fear that she would shoot it down uh, right out of the gate, out of concern for my health. So kicked it around with my siblings, and we decided that it was the move to make. Uh, so applied for a job, and less than 24 hours later, I completed my training and started my first shift.
0: Describe your new job for us.
1: Oh, man, it is uh, it is something. It's A, it's tremendously satisfying, um, but it is hard work. It... it, it you know first of all i'm a tourist i am not a professional there are so many people that have been doing this for years who really really know what they they're doing i you know there's a novelty to my story and that's great but by no means am i a professional care worker there are people who work way harder way better than me that are in you know every home across the country so through my lens um I'm helping with uh, meal deliveries because everybody's quarantined in their room. I'm helping with residents that need assistance eating. Uh, You sort of live and die by the call bell. So every resident has essentially a buzzer that they can buzz, and then that triggers a a notification system. And, you know, every time you see the call bell, you've got to hustle over to that room and see what the deal is. And it could be something as simple as closing some blinds or somebody might need some assistance, uh, with a uh, washroom. Somebody might need, uh, assistance with a phone call, you name it. It could be anything. Uh, but it, it's really, you know, I've had call bells going off in my dreams. It's kind of, you, you start to wire yourself to listen for it and respond to it immediately.
0: You sound like an affable guy. Are you getting a lot of people just making calls just to spend time with you because they're missing their family?
1: Uh, I mean, that's I, part of the strategy. I've, I, I've been working in conjunction with the long-term care facility that hired me. Uh, you know, that I certainly, this wasn't under their nose. They, they knew of the loophole and they sort of suggested it. So uh, part of what I want to do is to try to be the contact between residents and families as much as possible. So facilitating FaceTime calls, things like that. Um, what's tough is it, there's just, uh, in my mother's on my mother's floor, there's 23 residents. And over the course of eight hours, it just never feels like enough time to, uh, to spend the quality time that I I would like to spend with each of them. You know, so you sort of have to keep, uh, a, a little mental list of who you visited, how much, when, just so that you can kind of spread it around as much as possible and ensure that nobody's getting neglected
0: you you mentioned you didn't tell your mother that you were going to get a job in her long term care home did you just show up how did you find out you were working there tell us <laughs> that story
1: i did i uh i showed up i finished my i started my training at about noon uh so i applied for the job monday was offered the job monday night went in for training at noon on tuesday wrapped the training at about 5 which coincides with supper time Uh, and immediately started the shift upstairs. So I just uh, arranged to bring my mother her dinner uh, and just waltzed right in and kind of really shook her. She had a good laugh over it.
0: So is she worried about your safety, or at the end of the day, is she happy that she has time with you? I think,
1: I mean, she's absolutely, she would be worried about my safety, but I I don't think that... um, You know, I don't think that I'm at as significant a risk as she is. And I think from a mental health perspective, both for her and for the rest of our family, if she was isolated, uh, now it would have been for over a month. Um, I I just, I think that I'd rather roll the dice uh, with COVID than leave her isolated that long. But, you know, that's also to say, like, my fear with COVID is introducing it. It's not developing it myself i obviously i don't want that uh, but i'm willing to trust the numbers are a little bit more on my side due to my age and health than they are for my mother and her neighbors so so my big covid concern and what you know is never far from my mind is uh, am i being cautious enough to ensure that i'm not introducing it in some way
0: walk us through you know your routine and how you ensure that your ppa ppe rather is effective and that you're possibly not infecting um people with covid
1: yeah it's uh i mean at the at sort of the top level it, you show up you don't even get into the building until you explain who you are what you're there for uh immediately in the lobby there is a station that uh goes through a series of questions takes your temperature uh, they are, whoever is doing that is, is, you know, has face shield, gown, the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, if you are determined to be safe to proceed to work, you're given a mask and gloves. The, 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 gear you're given depends on your role and where you are. So for me, I get gloves, I get a mask, uh, and you, you know, clean your hands, head up to the elevator by yourself. Uh, and then once you're on the floor, really it it's the mask never ever comes off uh is it an and,
0: N95 Brian or is it a surgical mask
1: it depends it has been an N95 it's now a surgical mask because it's down to my mother's neighbor has uh looks as though she's almost completely recovered but she's still testing positive so i don't go in her room period that is strictly there is you know identified staff members who go in and they gown up they face shield, N95, everything. So the only rooms that I'm going into are people that have been tested and swabbed, including myself, and are currently COVID negative. So I'm wearing a surgical mask, uh, and then I am cleaning my, my hands uh, before and after every time I go into a room. I mean, my hands are basically skeleton bones right now.
0: Brian, you know, we're hearing horror stories when it comes to long-term care home. I know that you are hearing those as well, and PPE, uh, PPE is in high demand. But it sounds like Kensington Gardens, where your mother is, really is doing um, their lockdown in a smart way.
1: It, uh, you know, again, I want to be really cautious here just because I am not a health care professional. I'm yeah. a television producer working as a unit aide, So take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, what i can tell you is as somebody who's in the unique position of both having their mother as a resident and being an employee now i wouldn't want my mother anywhere else uh you know that's not to say that long-term care health uh, in, in Canada as a whole, uh, we need to look at and we need to revise because coronavirus is laying bare a lot of the flaws in our system. And I, I think that's a societal failure. I don't think, you know, in the months and years to come, I'm sure we're going to get granular and figure out who's to blame with some some elements of COVID. But I, I think looking at long-term care as a whole, it's really society has dropped the ball. We've, we've sort of... Uh, just turned our back on the elderly and and on the frail and on those that need uh, long term care and my hope is that coming out of this, we can start to look at that and see how we can go about making changes at a larger level at the at the level of my mother 's home you know they these organizations are used to fighting infection and flu i 've been to the home enough times when there has been a flu outbreak, and they have it down to a science, COVID, has obviously shook everybody, and it's it's unprecedented. But dealing with um, quarantine is not new; it shouldn't be new to any of these organizations.
0: Brian, you said one of the most profound things I've ever heard when it comes to the problem of our long-term care homes, and you touched on it right there. You said you said you view it as a societal uh, failure uh, when it. You also said when it comes down to our it comes down to our own fear of uh of mortality, can you get a a little bit deeper into that into your theory there because I think that's something that people have not heard about recently, and you know we talk about funding, but if the underlying uh the underlying uh reason why we don't fund is because we're frightened of death, uh, that's a problem we need to cure
1: yeah, I mean it's my two cents i I, I can say my mother has multiple sclerosis, so I've grown up in a home uh, that has uh, a degenerative illness has been present my whole life. Um, and I've, you know, I've come away, my experience is that degenerative illnesses are unique in that there's no bouncing back. You don't improve. It's only going in one direction and psychologically and physically, that's a, that's a really difficult thing to deal with. Uh, but, if there is an upside for myself and my family, it's that we learned early on that communication is key and even more key is the sense of humor. So I think, you know, we've got a a healthy degree of dark humor in our family that we've been able to sort of persevere with. And that has lent itself to, uh, I think, an odd bit of maturity around mortality. I think a lot of people um, still struggle with that and they don't want to think about it. And the easiest thing is to believe that their grandmother, their loved ones, their parents, their children, whoever, are, are being taken care of and they don't really have to worry. Um, and the truth of the matter is, you know, I think that uh, people could be taken care of better. Uh, you know, the amount of work, <laughs> the sheer exhaustion I feel when I come home at the end of a day working as, as a unit aid, I'm a relatively fit person Uh, You know, I'm I'm uh, yeah, it's not something that I'm not usually complaining about my fitness level. I am exhausted at the end of the day. And uh, before the there, there's been a four dollar an hour raise for frontline workers, uh, which is great. Uh, Prior to that, though, I I was effectively working at minimum wage. Uh, And I got to tell you, like the the level of uh, labor is is crazy. Uh, It was just a huge, huge amount of work and doing work that nobody else wants to do. And I look around when I go in and uh, the vast, vast majority of other people working this job, they are every single person I work with is a woman and they are by and far mostly new Canadians. And I kind of feel like what have we done uh, and how have we gone wrong to pay the people doing this job so little, and and for that to be acceptable, uh, and not to afford them a greater voice, uh, because they are the ones doing absolutely the the most difficult and unwanted jobs in society, and, and we've all just kind of said, yeah, that's okay, as long as grandma can, whatever, come to Sunday supper, then I don't really worry about what's happening the rest of her week.
0: This is and a job think, that's completely unappreciated.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's a tremendously rewarding job. Like the people that are in there, they they care. You know, they are working extremely hard. Uh, and they are, you know, you may, pardon me, the Royal you. people might touch base with loved ones in, in care facilities several times a day. But at the end of the day, the residents, a lot of their social network are the staff members. Like they are their family, their staff, they're they are wearing a whole lot of hats, and they are not being recognized for that at all.
0: Brian, before I let you go, because we are on a little bit of a, a clock here, and I know you understand that as a producer, how much time do you get to spend with your mom? Do you spend extra time with her after work? Like, do you sit down and visit with your mom?
1: No, I, uh, I generally like, so all staff are staying in the building for any sort of breaks or meal breaks or, or coffee breaks. Uh, and that's so that they're not going into uh, the surrounding environment and potentially contracting COVID. So, uh, where the rest of the staff would uh, socially distance in, say, the empty dining room because nobody's eating in the dining room, I'll just scoot away and hang out with my mom. You know, Facetime my my siblings with her or something like that. So, any uh, any break that presents itself, I just slip away to her room. Everybody I work with is in the loop, they all make jokes about me being the mama's boy and all that stuff. So I just pop in every opportunity. A lot of it with somebody uh, who is quadriplegic can also be things like opening and flattening hands, like small adjustments that literally I can scoot into a room, flatten her hands or cross her legs, scratch her forehead or something, and then be out the door. But for her, that, that is, makes a huge difference.
0: Brian, you're an exceptional person. And I know I'm not the only one thinking that. There are a lot of people listening right now that think your workaround to see your mother is extreme during the this COVID <laughs> pandemic. Uh, you've called it a geriatric mission impossible. Is there room for other people listening right now that might be thinking, wait, I actually have time. I might want to get into this uh, and, and try and uh, work in the facility where my loved one is. What would you recommend uh, that they do?
1: So I would say reach out to the facility and ask. I truly don't know. I know that they've, they're have they rolling it out slowly at my mother's facility just because it, training is involved and they still want to ensure that um, we're not exposing residents to potential COVID. So by all means, ask. But also I think the big thing is just look for any opportunity to help out. And if that means... Maybe the best thing you can do this time around is stay home and quarantine. But as soon as this quarantine is open, like, wow, these places could use volunteers. Uh, So just because you may not be able to help during the quarantine doesn't mean that you can't help down the road. And I think if one thing, uh, if people take away one thing, it would be that as soon as life starts to return to normal, do not forget about these facilities uh, and look for ways that you might be able to, help out.
0: Brian, thanks so much for joining the show. I really appreciate your time today. No problem. Thank you very much
1: for having me, Kelly.
0: Cheers. What a pleasure. Uh, Brian Corcoran, television producer, now changed his job. He's working uh, during the pandemic at his mother's long-term care home as as a care worker. What a great story.